Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. You know, one of the things that frustrates me as a financial planner is when a client doesn't do any do the things that they know they need to do. Mm. And I had a conversation earlier uh, this week and the wife just said, well, what about the estate plan? And I said, well, uh, do you have documents? Oh yeah, we got the document, but the husband couldn't find it. But bottom line is they need to get their estate plan in mm. place. And and the wife just said, listen, set the appointment. We'll come in. We'll meet with, with you, with Jeremiah and uh, work through and get it done. And yeah. I said, it needs to get done. I, you know, I said, my comment to people is that you don't wake up in the morning and get excited about, oh, I got to finish my estate plan documents, right? right. So right, we get again, terrified. We have to prod them a little That's bit. Right. This is really important. But then people that get terrified that have a health scare and realize had something happened, oh. you know, an accident or something like that, they realize had something happened, this would have been a mess for the surviving spouse, a mess for the next generation. Right. You're right. Estate planning is not fun. I, I'm the first one to admit like, so, but I, I think people inflate it on a regular basis, inflate it to be this bigger deal than what it really is. Right. And there's a lot of that's, I think, myths that are out there that um, you know, you're going to have to pay these massive taxes or it's really complex documents. I mean, me speaking from the attorney side who write these all the time, I think they're normal documents, but right. I get that it's, it's it's a different language. But sitting down with an attorney, walking through the process and moving you know, judiciously through getting this done, in my mind, is the best. There's a lot of folks, like you said, that start it and then just get bogged down because they don't want to read it. They don't want to think yeah. about it. And as a wealth manager, as our firm, as we deal with people, obviously it encompasses the estate planning side yeah. of it. And you're meeting with clients directly and either reviewing the documents that they have right now and amending where necessary or creating a brand new trust or wills or whatever. Yeah. It's so important to have up-to-date documents. Oh, and I think there's a massive difference between passing away with nothing in place right, and then passing away even with something something, you know, a will and a trust, you know, that that's, you know, 80% of the value is there in the administration afterwards. But then that, that last bit of having it up to date is what really allows you to express the legacy, the purpose, um, the ease for the next generation. I mean, we're teasing the day that really it should be the, the kids of, of, of folks who are paying for the trust <laughs> to get the trust done. because They're getting, it, the, big, they're getting the biggest benefit. They're the it, benefit. Right? Yeah. We've had so many clients who their parents pass away who are not our clients. And we walk into this and they have uh, this tangled web of where all the assets were held, what was titled appropriately, what wasn't. Well, on the flip side, we've had clients who their parents did do good estate planning. And it, I'll say it's a breeze. It, it's always difficult to administer someone's life, administer their estate and deal with the emotions of that. Right. However, it is so massively easier if they have good estate planning in place. Yeah. I mean, again, I think you're looking at uh, what we do as a firm. And we don't just do investing because that's just one part of what we do. Yeah. But estate planning is another sleeve. It's another element yeah. that we do. And with you being in the firm, it allows the clients to be able to sit down and talk with you because you're you're a, an attorney. Yeah. And you have a lot of experience in estate planning and contract law. So it's really good that they can bounce ideas off. And what's really nice is that they can come up and bring in these very 
what they perceive are very complex issues and you're yeah. able to solve them and put them into a, a mode that will be smooth for them should they have either illness or death. Yeah. And a lot of folks, I, I find they think of this as a one day when I die, you know, it's just going to affect my kids. Right. My kids get it anyways. But one, there's there's the aspect of California law. It has a certain structure of how things are distributed. That may or may not line up with what people want. But even more important than that, um, taking care of one's spouse and even taking care of yourself if something tragic would happen, but you haven't passed away. Right. You're simply unable to do some of the things you normally do. You know, the estate planning structure deals with all that. It right. deals with all the things while you're still alive. And in the event there's a, 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 a catastrophe or an accident, um, there's some safeguards in place that allow right. you to administer others to on your behalf to administer while you're alive and when you pass away to take care of your spouse. So, so, so let's, key. let's talk about a couple of things that are, you know, what, what we don't talk about a lot with clients, but digital assets. Yeah. I, I think it's really important. I mean, so much of us now, so many of us have, uh, you know, websites, we have, we have our pin, yes. our pin, our password, all that stuff. And if you die without disclosing that, or not telling yeah. where, where that information is at, your beneficiaries, your heirs will not be able to get to those. Yeah, it's a real interesting world we're in because you have people who are, um, you have Instagram accounts, they have eBay accounts, right. where they're actively running businesses that are fully online based. And and how do you transition those? And things like you know Facebook or other ones, they have some protocols of what do you do? How do you get into a loved one's items? But there's a number of folks we've run into that, that just day one, they don't have access to anything. Right. And Sometimes they don't even know where the accounts are. So there's one is the financial getting your, your life in order, but the digital assets, almost having a similar uh, inventory as you would say, here's the different bank accounts I have. Here, here's where my money is. But to say, here's the different online um, personas I have that that could have value, and here's how you access right. them, and here's how you would connect to them. So yeah, including digital assets in our age is really important. Even things my wife knows the password of my phone, you know. But we had a number of of spouses when the woman passes away their only access to certain bank accounts is through their spouse's phone yeah i mean for my wife and i we have um uh, we have a what i call the the long password the the, the key right mm. and that gets us into a lot of things and we provide a vault we provide a means by which people clients can put information for our clients yeah for our clients that's secure but you better have a key or else we can't even get into it because yeah. you could you can identify as secure and what things you want to share, but that's really important that you yeah. have the ability to do that. So yeah, you know. that's right. The other thing I think that comes up a lot um, is people will just procrastinate. They put this off, and that's what we been talking about initially. Is, is they just put it off. But I've had a number of clients that come in and say, "We need this by this week because we're going on a trip," and they just all of a sudden <laughs> something like, flipped. Yeah, that they say this has to get done. We can't go on this trip until we have this in place, and it becomes a burden because then they're they're pounding through some of these real questions, you know, who, who would you want to make a healthcare choice for you when you, when, if that was needed, you know, for some people, it's just obvious. They name my daughter, name whomever others, they want to think about it, but when they have that pressure, they, and then there's an ability for me, I, I can't turn things in a day, you know, right. it, it takes a little bit of time to draft this stuff. And so I think procrastinating is a big one just to get it done when the time is nice, when, the, when, when just get it done now, you know, get it done so that when those events come up, you go on your trip and you don't have that added stress. Yeah, I think I think the other thing too is that people have a misunderstanding about what goes into the trust. Mm. So if you establish an estate planner, develop a trust, yep. what goes in? They think, well, they'll say, well, I have a trust. That's in the trust, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people magically think if you sign the trust documents, everything just is there. It magically takes care of all of it, and that's part of what when we talk about wealth management, it's, it's looking at every aspect of someone's life. And so a trust only could I tell people it's like a treasure box. It controls what you put in it, and so investment accounts, bank accounts homes, real estate, land, you can put all that stuff into a trust and you should. 
You know, that's part of that, that trust funding process. As soon as you make it, you make this treasure box, you got to put some stuff in it. And, you know, attorneys walk you through that. Um, however, we've had some people who come in with it. I would call an empty trust, an empty right. treasure box. They've got, they've got, they've got the chest, right? Yep. But they don't have anything. They in never it. put their house in it. Or they at one point put a house in they since moved. They or never they refinance. Or they refinance. They never put that house back in. So that, that's part of not just having, you know, step one is get your estate planning done. Step two is having a relationship, an ongoing relationship with advisors, you know, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a financial planner, like what we do, or an investment advisor, is to keep that stuff updated. And when you buy a new house, for someone in the room to say, hey, does this need to go in the trust? And the answer is yes, you know, it does, yes. and, and, yeah. and to update that. I mean, that, that's the advantage of our firm because we deal with those issues. Yeah. So we know the client, we know where the assets are at, we know where the income is at, we know... You know, our goal is to know the client well enough that we can give them advice about it, but also to designate which assets need to be in the trust and which assets don't need to be in the trust. What right. what assets don't need to be in the yeah, trust? Yeah, so in California, you know, we have uh, stuff with a DMV that often with the DMV, if you have a vehicle, it doesn't have to get into the trust. Right. Uh, we have a car collection, often we would. But the way California law works is that vehicles themselves won't trigger probate. And so if you have a number of vehicles that are outside, the DMV has a good process when you pass away. They in themselves won't trigger probate. And probate's a good thing just to take a note here. In recent law, if you have $160,000 in California out of a trust, just normal in your estate, that's going to trigger you to go through probate. So if you have a cash account, a bank account with $180,000, say, that's going to send you into probate. Um, but if you have put things in a trust, your real estate, your investment accounts, your cash accounts, and everything out of that trust is less than that number. And there's a real small estate affidavit you can do that helps you skip probate. For a lot of folks, um, th that's what they're looking to do is not have to take their, their family and all their assets through probate. So what assets typically you don't put in a trust though? So vehicles in California typically don't do any sort of retirement assets. So, okay, like, a, so like my IRA? Your IRA, your Roth IRA, um, your 401k from work, um, all of those, they have what's called beneficiary designations. So you need to list who those go to, but you do that with the account custodian. You don't do that initially in your trust. There's some situations where we'll have people that will send their retirement accounts into their trust on purpose. Is that is that a good thing to do? You know, your favorite answer here. It depends. It, it depends on what you were trying to structure. If, if someone had, say, a special needs child that they anticipated that they were going to live their life and then pass away, and then all their funds, including their retirement funds, needed to be used for that special needs child for the rest of that special needs child's life then it probably makes sense to send all those funds into the trust and let the trust control it but that wouldn't be necessarily a normal what that I would call not be standard normal. trust no. i mean you would have to have very specific yeah and you have to be in a situation where you had someone that you're going to care for in that way a special needs type situation but the normal vanilla family um often their 401k say would go to their spouse and if right. they're when their spouse passes away it goes to their kids that's a very normal structure and it goes outside of the trust, ne right. next to the trust. And that doesn't trigger probate. Those aren't probate related assets. But again, you got to be cognitive of how a trust is taxed. Yep. The trust is taxed differently than if you had the assets in your own personal. Your yeah, this is a trust uh, Trust tax is a is a big question that people just get confused on on a regular right. basis. The, the first one that people think is that when they pass away, that 40% or so of their assets are just going to get taxed. They're just going to lose it. They're just going to go to the government. That's going to happen for everybody. <laughs> and that happens for very large estates once you get past the exemptions. And the exemption the is... The exemption currently is roughly $13 million per person. Per person. So if you're a married couple, then your exemptions will cover $26 million roughly of your estate. 
So if your estate is less than 26 million, you're not gonna have to pay estate taxes. Right. And so it's only for folks that blow past that 26 million, or if you're single, 13 million roughly, when you get past that, now that marginal amount past that, you're gonna have to have estate right. taxes. So the the exciting estate plan, the, the kind that I usually do when I was at a larger law firm, is for folks that are in that bracket. They have a number of strategies and ideas that would be done to plan a large estate. But the majority of people, it's not even on the table. So well, let's take a pause right now because we can come back yeah. and talk about what I consider more complex yep. uh, for wealthier uh, types of uh, clients. So we'll be right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Getting back to this, I want I want to kind of dig out more complex issues. I yeah. mean, you can you can get where we have family meetings, we mismatch beneficiaries, uh, but also there's tax law changes that are coming regarding estate plan. Yeah, probably the mis- most misunderstood was the amount of estate tax. Yes, yeah, we were just talking about that in the last last segment to say that that often people anticipate that if their estates say five hundred thousand that they're going to have to give half that to the government. Right. That's what they just think they've heard. Um, but there's an exam- uh, exclusion that you have of the amount of funds. So it's about roughly $13 million per person. So $26 million for a married couple. And if your estates are under that, you're very likely not going to pay estate tax. But there's a big fat caveat right there. Right. And the caveat is that is under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts of 2017, which is set to Remember, remember Trump? Yes. Remember. Thank you, Trump. <laughs> Trump boosted this up, right? Yeah, it's it five to six million. And then it got boosted up. And it's been twelve million initially. It's grown over time, so now it's roughly thirty. It does million. have a cost of living adjustment, which I think is really important uh, for people to know. It yeah. goes up with with inflation. But in if it's not renewed, then by twenty twenty six, it's going to fall back down. Right, and fall back down to roughly six and a half seven is what people. So if my wife and I, if our estate exceeds, let's say fourteen million dollars, we may be. Uh, liable for some estate tax. Looking at taxes, yeah, that's yeah. right. And and when that happens, when someone's estate gets larger, which in California you know, is, is sooner than others, you know, just because of the uh, value of our properties that we have right. here, that things have gone up. But then you start looking into, what most people do is, how do I get my estate back under that amount? Right. Because the tax is roughly 40%. So how do I get this to either to my beneficiaries before my death? How do I transfer it during my life? How do I... You know, so a common structure is called an islet, an irrevocable life insurance trust. Okay, so let's be clear here. Uh, you can set up a separate trust, and you can put money into it. And the purpose of that is to buy life insurance, right, mm-hmm. on the 
the person who has the wealth, yep. you know, and so that life insurance comes out, but I got to pay taxes on that life insurance, right? When it comes you out. You don't. What? Yeah. That's the whole point <laughs> is you set up this separate in this trust and life insurance proceeds when they come out are usually not taxable. And in this situation, they'd be set up specifically to be not taxable and not to be in your estate. Yeah. So life insurance is a unique yeah. um, instrument that it is when, when, when it pays out, typically doesn't pay, you don't have any in, income tax on it. You don't have income taxes. And if it's out of your state, you won't have a state tax right. on it. So someone who is a little bit older may have really high insurance premiums. And they might say over the next 10 years, it's going to cost me a million dollars of, of, of insurance premiums to fund this policy. But when I pass away, there's going to be $5 million sitting in this, uh, the trust that will then come and benefit my family without having to go through the estate tax and without triggering income tax. And it's a, it's a structure that, that folks often will use to keep their estate lower, but shift some of their assets over. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's one that the majority of people don't have to even worry about. And I think right. that's part of what, what adds the complexity in people's mindset. They start thinking about all these complex things they've heard right. about. And they are complex and they do work for some families. But for a lot of families who are under these thresholds, it's, it's not a concern. The other tax item that I think is really important that most people don't always uh, grasp is income tax. Right. So for a normal person, say for a married couple, in order to get to the highest tax bracket, you have to be around $450,000. Right. By then, if that type of income each year, you're now in these really high tax brackets. Well, for let, a, let me let me put the caveat. That's taxable income. Taxable income. The stuff so you've earned. Your, stuff. your income could be higher than that, but after you get all the deductions and everything yeah. else reduced, it gets down to whatever that taxable, taxable income is. And so it, it takes a, a big chunk of income to get you those highest tax bracket rates. Right. For a trust, it, it's around thirteen thousand dollars of income that once it comes into the trust, wait a minute, they've got all the way up to the highest tax what? bracket. It's it's so if I have if I have money personally, yeah. It takes them up to four hundred fifty thousand dollars to get to the highest yep. tax bracket, but if I have this money in his trust, mm -hmm. it taxes at thirty seven percent on a very minimal yep. amount of income. And everything above that is all this this highest tax bracket. Yeah, that gets, and, gets and so expensive. the question being, would you rather have the income flow to you or flow to your trust? And the clear answer is flow to a, a person. Right. And so trust part of the way they're structured is that as they receive income. Often after the 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 parent generation say has passed away, now it's the beneficiaries receiving it that they'll receive the income and they want to pass that income on to the beneficiaries in that same year. So this, this is where I want to kind of put my, my two cents worth in. We, we actually manage trusts for clients, clients who have passed away and they've named us as the successor trustee, where in fact there is a beneficiary who cannot handle the money or their special needs or whatever, how that money is invested is extremely yeah. important. So if you have all taxable income coming out, and your beneficiaries are not using that, then it throws it into that high tax bracket. So the kind of holdings like municipal bonds, uh, equities that don't pay off a dividend, some of these things. Yeah. So you try to minimize the event of taxes for the benefit of the overall value of the estate, right? Yep, that's right. And it's it's part of that whole master plan to say if there's right. someone, and, and as people probably know, you know, if someone who's in a special needs trust, if, if they were to receive say a lot of income came into the trust and to avoid the taxes, the trustee then pushed out all that income to the individual to well, just let them keep it in their bank account. One, they probably don't have the, the wherewithal, the whole reason for the trust, they probably don't have the ability to deal with that money. But two, it'll mess up a lot of their benefits, federal right. and state benefits. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a holistic structure to say, we're setting up a trust for this purpose. We have to be mindful of taxes. We have to be mindful of how we invest. 
Um, but when you are, it, it's a great structure. It can really do wonders for the next generation to kind of put them on a good path. Um, so we talked about trust income. We talked about, well, they hear a lot is lifetime gifting or pre-funding trusts. You need to do something today to get all your is, money is into the trust. Grits and grats and groats and whatever. Yes, that is. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what? Yeah, grits and grats and cruts and all these different. They they, they love acronyms. You know, know. It, it kind of feels like the military in that. Um, they're the acronyms of these different types of trusts that allow you to shift money now and lock in this exemption. So if if in the news you start hearing that they're not going to extend the the Trump era exemptions, that that nearly thirteen million exemption that everybody has, if they're not going to renew it, it's going to fall down. There's going to be a lot of people pushing. Do it now. Do it, do now. it now. Lock right. in. Make some. Because it's it's the assumption that whatever you do before the law changes, before it sunsets, it'll be grandfathered in. Yeah. Is there a guarantee that that's going to happen? Often not, but but often that that's the going yeah. idea. That if you do it during these are the laws existed at the time, most times when they pass estate planning new laws, they're not retroactive right. to say you know in all time history these are all you know negated. Um, often it's just saying from here forward, here's what the new rates are. Here's what the new things and. You would have an argument to say, well, I'm not under that because I did it here. Right. It, it, it's interesting, but the, the hard part is it's a lock-in. Like you're really locking in and the laws will change again and again. So the the structure of control, the structure of your trust, and that's a safety net that everyone should build in. The the idea of what the tax planning is going to be, that's a variable item. And that's built into the, into the actual documents so that yes. the successor trustee or the person who takes over has the ability to look at the current laws and get advice, say, we need to make changes here and there and yeah. do some things, right? And that's changed over time. I mean, not to drive too, but there used to be something called an AB trust that everyone would use that structure. Right. Then portability came along that one spouse, if they pass away, they can transfer that 13 million exemption to their surviving spouse and that surviving spouse can carry it with them until they die. It made things a lot easier not having to divide the estate now, you know, burn some of the exemption. We still do that for different reasons. You know, it, right. it's all kind of custom to each person's life. But a lot of that has changed and made these a lot more simple, especially for someone who their estate is under 10 million. Okay. Say, you know, if someone were to come to us and say, I have less than 10 million, 10 million of assets. Um, I'm on my first or second marriage. These are my kids. This is my spouse. Um, you know, in my mind, that that's a lot closer to the vanilla version of planning than someone who has a significantly greater assets and a more diverse family life. Yeah. I mean, uh, if somebody owns a business and they're selling their business, let's say they've worked that business up through the end of their life and all of a sudden they sell it, that becomes a payday. So they've got a lot of factors that are going into it. I mean, yeah. you know, income taxes, you sell it, well, how they sell it, uh, what what the heirs are going to receive for the benefit of that. I mean, those are critical junctures in their life, right? Yep, that's right. And it's a good moment to have your estate plan set to make sure that your your one perspective I love is saying, what is going to really just spur on my kids, spur right. on the next generation, spur on my beneficiaries to do great things in their life? And what sort of money or structure is really just going to slow them down, you know, generate bitterness or destroy their work ethic? And that perspective to say, whatever I have, you're going to use it for yourself most of your life. And then to say, how can I best use this to to benefit the ones I love? And it's not always just giving it to them. Right. Um, it, it can be. But it's also just having that perspective of how I can best build. So someone who doesn't have an estate plan, today's the day. You know, right. Congratulations. Today's the day. You've made it. It's important to get this done. And the part of when they tell these a revocable living trust, that means you can change it. It's right. living with you. And you know, it's not like it's set in stone. It's the safety net that you keep then adjusting as life goes on so that it fits your so life. How, so how often should I review my trust? I would tell you five years. Uh, five years. If, if you haven't looked at it in five years, it's time to pull it out, look at it. And if everything's great, perfect. Close the lid, put it back. But if something needs to be changed, that's the moment to, to do update I, do it. I be, do I need to be concerned about the estate plan? I mean, the, the ta estate tax changes and such as that? 
I mean, if that happens, should I be looking at that now? Yeah. If you hear something, it's a great moment to say, hey, I heard this on the news and reach out to whoever did your estate plan and say, hey, I heard this. Is there something I need to do differently? Right. Um, ideally, you have someone in your life that you're regularly connecting with, you know, wealth manager, financial planner, someone who is alerting you to this and saying, hey, these laws change and it, it might affect you. Let's sit down and talk about it because most people aren't, aren't aware of these. But if you do hear something, reach out to those folks. Right. So again, our task is always to help clients make the best decisions about their money, to help them make smart decisions so that their money will outlast them and they will outlast their money. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.